0: Welcome to episode 10 of Work The Left Side, Um, joined by Molly Spartan this week, Um, just sit down, have a chat, Um, she's awesome, Um, absolutely awesome lady, Um, got some great stories to tell, so I won't bore you for too long, I will just say uh, enjoy, and yeah, uh, hit subscribe, hit notify, do the normal, do and uh, enjoy the episode, so episode 10, so uh, enjoy, adios, see you next week. Welcome, this is, I've hit double digits, this is episode 10 of Work the Left Side, I am joined this week by the awesomeness, the sin of professional wrestling, Uh, Molly Spartan, how you doing?
1: I'm good, I'm good, thank you very much for having me.
0: Ah, sorry, thank you for, you know, coming on. Um, So, uh, so I'm doing a bit of research before talking to people just to kind of get, you know, a bit more of a background. And um, what I got from you was you kind of got into the whole wrestling thing uh, in a kind of a weird way in the sense of you, you studied, like, TV and stuff at uni, didn't you? And you got into it more for the TV production side of things, and then you got into the training
1: yeah um the way I went about it was much like when you look at people like Gabe Sapolsky from like Evolve and there's a lot of sort of promoters that way how they started was they never seen themselves as being the wrestler but they wanted to work in professional wrestling and at that time when um I was at the point where I was deciding right this is what I want to do with the rest of my life kind of thing um when I watched WWE because at that point in time that was my main sort of viewing of wrestling Um, there was nobody there that sort of reflected back to me that I could see myself in Um, I think the closest was maybe somebody like Beth Phoenix but even still she was this tall blonde American girl and well even though physically we have similarities there was nobody that sort of had my voice or my background or anything like that so um, I always just assumed that I wasn't wanted because the last time somebody Scottish that went over was Drew and they sent him to elocution lessons and so it was that kind of way where I was like right okay this clearly isn't for me I'm not I'm not going to be wanted to do that but I want to work in wrestling um, so I went to uni I looked on WWE's website looked at what jobs were available what qualifications they were looking for and their employees and thought well that's what I'll do I'll go get that if I want to work in wrestling I'm going to go and I'll get those qualifications I will find somehow I'll find a way of getting experience um, be in television because I also know they hired sort of um, script writers from all sorts of television shows in America so I knew that okay that's the path I need to go down to inevitably get to wrestling um And in doing so, weirdly, I did a project on a comedy club called The Stand here in Scotland. There's one in Glasgow, there's one in Edinburgh. Um, During the Friends, they're quite an established venue kind of thing. They have multiple venues. I think they have one in Newcastle now. Um, But they were always a comedy club that I loved going to when I was at uni and college, etc. Because they really focused on the comedians. It wasn't about... um, get as many drinks into the punters as possible and then somebody will come on and make them laugh it was very much about um, honing talent and I mean even still greats of the comedy circuit who do the arena tours always go back to the stand to test their material so I've seen Darrow Breed, Michael McIntyre, Frankie Boyle Ross, all, all the big 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 names who I probably wouldn't pay to go see in an arena but they'll come to the stand for like five, ten quid a seat and it's maybe only like 200 yeah push in this room but that's because they are the places that they've been able to make their craft their job Um uh, like kevin bridges i've seen kevin bridges in there for three pound once kind of thing it's just it's kind of just that place where like i've seen kevin bridges go in and do like literally like a half hour set on like the buses coming from the city center to the south side of glasgow where he was from and it was like the place was an, an eruption kind of thing. So it's one of those places that I, I loved as well. And I've got such a great respect and love for stand-up too. Um so I was doing this project through my sort of my second year. And um with that weirdly, the comedian that I ended up being my main focus and my main sort of subject in in the in the, the project was Billy Kirkwood, who now is Cullen commentator for ICW and is on the network and has obviously become quite an established name in professional wrestling. But at that time, that was sort of, we met, did this project and a few months later, he got this gig as the ring announcer for ICW. He wasn't the color commentator at that point. He was just ring announcing because there's a comedian up here called Des Clark, Scottish guy. You, if you see photo follow him, you'd probably recognise him. There's radio up here in Scotland and stuff. Um, he couldn't do it so he suggested Billy and Billy came in um, and it was weird it was like Billy's second night and we sort of become friends through the project um, because we were essentially the male and female version of one another we had loads of hair we both have massive hair um, but we both into comic books both like he came in covered in tattoos weirdly we're both straight edged we're both dyslexic we're both love wrestling but we just there's one of those things that like yeah we need to be friends if we're not friends this doesn't make any sense um and he ended up messaging me saying look I've ended up working for this company it's called ICW they're essentially ECW but in Glasgow like a very Scottish Glaswegian ECW and I was like yes whatever oh this gosh. is I'm coming so I dragged a friend along who'd never been a wrestling before or my mate Juliet and I was like come like this is I've heard this please can you come with me I don't know anybody else that can come with me so she came along and I just was like I need to be involved in this I need to somehow be involved in this and um, I ended up meeting Mark Dallas who's the promoter and owner and basically went up to him and went look I need a work placement from a university." I can get you a free camera lights microphone all this sort of stuff for nothing as long as that what I'll do is at end of each year I'll come to you with a bit of paper with all the jobs that I've done you just need to sign it like you wrote it and I'll hand it in and you get it for free and he was like and at this point I remember one of the first shows I did was the first ever square go um, which was in the classic grand and they sold it out and it was like 300 maybe 350 capacity and it was such a big deal people were losing their mind everybody was so hyped up and like so excited that they'd sold this venue out and it was all adults and it wasn't like a family show it was this big deal and um yeah it was just really exciting and so at that point getting a free camera was a huge deal because they were like yeah like that's a, hundred, a couple hundred quid to rent a decent one out sure so I ended up working there Um, I always say this that even through although it was a work placement Mark Dallas always paid me always gave me something for my work which I always appreciated Um, and then once I finished uni I just never left I ended up Mm -hmm. staying and At that point, I'd essentially learned nearly everything. I'd learned how the doors were run, how sort of where what merch stores and stuff like that, where you'd get T-shirts printed, et cetera, where you'd get all that sort of stuff, how a show was put together, how the ring was built, how the cameras were positioned, how this, that, and the next thing was. The only thing I didn't know was what what was in the ring because for so long I'd I'd believed that's just where I wasn't meant to be. I wasn't meant to cross that line. I respected wrestling too much to to sort of go that way um, but it wasn't till weirdly it's it's genuinely like something out like a daft rom-com movie when I talk <laughs> about this um, but the man who is now my husband uh, me and him at that at a point ended up having this conversation and it was like in the rain in Edinburgh while we put the ring back in the back of a van uh, but at that point i wouldn't even say at that point we were like great friends we were just like work colleagues and like we got on and he always was like nice and mannerable and was never any trouble um always did the promo when i asked him to do his promo kind of thing um Mm -hmm. but we never really got that close but i remember him sort of just weirdly the question i asked him was like what do you see for what's your next step in wrestling because for so long he'd always talked about how like he wrestled at the weekend but he ran the pub with the family and that's sort of how he was happy going about it and I said "Well, what's next kind of thing and he ended up saying that what he really wanted to do was coach people he really wanted to teach people how to wrestle Um, the only problem was at that time there was two predominant schools in Glasgow Um, there was PVW and Source um, which was SWA previously Um, in Glasgow and they were both run by people that he'd worked with for years he'd known for years so he didn't want to upset one or the other but also um, in his mind he didn't want to go into a school and like teach a way that he didn't think was how it was meant to be taught like not saying that they were wrong but he had it in his head this is how I want to teach people this is how I want to coach people so Let's just do that by myself. He had an idea of who he wanted to sort of coach with. So, um but you know, and it was just how passionate he was about it. But he was just so worried that a no one would show up. B it would cause up so much upset. um And I remember just sort of saying, "I'm going okay. Well, I'll be your first student." He's like, "What?" And I was like, "Right, I'm student number one. That problem's dealt with. I've got you've got one. You just need to get the rest. Ask your coaches and figure out where it's going to be." he was like okay I was like even at at that genuine point in time I genuinely thought I'm going to learn a different perspective I knew everything else bar what happened in the ring and I knew that like when you watch WWE all the referees are professionally trained all the everybody knows what they're doing kind of thing I've at least had some form of training I felt like it's my time to learn that side of things and um, yeah a year later GPWA was opened Um, and the five coaches were Wolfgang, BT Gunn, uh, Red Lightning, Jack Jessa, and of course the late great Lionheart um, opened up the school I was part of the first class um, which was like an eight-week sort of how GBWA works in their classing system is you have like an eight-week initiation sort of of every Sunday Um, I think there's maybe every Wednesday as well but at that point it was every Sunday you would go in and you were expected to within eight weeks to be able to do up to a certain point safely and securely and sort of <clears throat> basically you were able to do all your roles and things like that without knocking yourself clean out um, which surprisingly yeah, sure. is an issue <laughs> and, you know, when people start like the amount of people that have asked me like oh I'd love to do wrestling and I'll go can you do a forward roll? and they'll go yeah and I go there's more hope than you think like it's that kind yeah. of weird sort of thing where there's so many things in wrestling that are so crucial that seem like it wouldn't be important, but sometimes, like, knowing a forward roll is very crucial in a match kind of thing. Sometimes, that it's not a pile driver or a moonsault, but in actual fact, you probably see somebody roll about the ring more than you see them doing the move that made them kind of thing, and you've just not taken it in. Um, but yeah it's that kind of thing where you're expected to get to a certain point if you get to that point you go into the next class which takes you up to another point and then you sort of go into the main class where when you're released into the main class it's basically the newbies coming in we all know if they get in the ring with us they're at least safe they at least know up to a certain thing we kind of all have an idea right That they know how to do it to there so this is how we help them sort of learn how to like transition from that to something else and it, it, it just makes everything a lot smoother and there's not any worry that some newbie gonna come in is gonna end up you no know, you know what I mean is gonna accidentally knock it out because they don't know what they're doing they're not allowed in the main class with everybody who could be on shows and stuff until they're up to a certain point point. and to me it's the perfect way how like I know there's some people who might not like to train that way but to me I love the idea is that there is a an order to make sure you keep yourself in check so that if you are lagging behind or you aren't able to sort of do certain things that you are kept sort of in a class until you are at a secure point that you are going on to the next stage where it's going to be a bit more advanced and a bit more fast paced and maybe a bit more hard hitting than the previous you're sort of just slowly building yourself up instead of it just being this like oh this is your first day right canadian destroyers and you're like no 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 no, this is not what it should be um but yeah it's a, it's a, to me it's to me it's the perfect way to train me um and anybody that's like me i think is more fitted to the way they are and in all honesty in 2019 it was voted one of the top 10 schools in the world because of how much talent is being produced out because if you come out of there it, you, you're going to be pretty decent because you're not really allowed to come out of there unless you are, kind of thing. It's that. It's not like it's a mean thing, but the fact that there are stepping stones with it, like you're not allowed to. There's sort of a sort of written rule, but it's kind of just expected. Like you don't go and take another booking in another another place unless you've been on the five pound wrestling, which is basically it's, it's it's what it says in the tin. You pay a fiver to come in to see the wrestling, and it's mostly like friends and family and things like that who don't want to pay twenty quid to watch their son do something that they've been helping them sew their trunks on. They'll happily pay a fiver kind of thing. Um and it's like that flat fare and families, you see families show up and it's like an Easter Easter weekend would have been the perfect one where they show up and it's six of them and it's only gonna cost 30 quid for all of them to get in and you know what I mean it's not in through the noise. But that's where folk get their first out and their first chance to perform in front of a crowd, their first and it's done in our training facility because it's big enough to get seats in um so yeah it's that sort of thing then there's wrestling experience scotland which is like a family run sort of promotion where we go around scotland uh doing shows but it's in different areas so it's not necessarily your mom and dad cheering just because they've seen your face it actually gets you to work and get you to connect with a crowd and then of course the big bad final stage is the lion's Then that is icw um, through the school, kind of thing. So, there is this sort of. the moral of is, Yeah, there's a stepping system in it. Because, um, of course, after you've done your £5 wrestling and you've done it a couple of times, that's when they'll go, right, a baby, like, put your CVs, get your matches. It also helps you get actual footage of a match because the hardest thing about getting booked is sometimes going to somebody, this is how I wrestle, and it not just be written on a bit of paper it's a case of here's a video of me wrestling look this is what I do so they know where to put you kind of thing Um, so it just also allows them to get that footage in order to go to places like hello here is me I am good look um but yeah so ended up it was that weird sort of notion though after I said like the eight week course where there was just a, I remember there's sort of being a moment in the ring because after the weeks, you basically did you went in you did what you were expected up to your certain point and then the the coaches would talk to you and say like right yeah you're going on to the next class or they need to address something to why they think this is an issue and what you need to go about it and being in the ring and that feeling of all of a sudden sort of that moment where I thought this is where I've always wanted to be I've always wanted to be in the ring but just never felt like I was wanted or felt like I'd be accepted in there and that's sort of a strange thing being like, like I've never I've always been comfortable in my own skin I've always been comfortable with the size I am and the shape I am and things like that that's never been a worry I've never not been confident in that area but just for so long watching something that you love so much and it not relating to you the performers that you loved and you thought were very talented but there was nobody that you truly connected with that you thought I could see myself in them and I want to be them it was that case of like none of them felt like they reflected back and that's what I'm saying the only person I think that remotely came back to me was Beth but again she was this big blonde American woman and I was not <laughs> I've just not and um and I love Beth bits, and I, that's why I always say like she's the closest thing I was like connected to but even then it was still very different to who I am um and for there that like and, and when I started that sort of way, like Viper or Piper Niven depending on what how you know her by she was absolutely killing it in Japan and she was there with Kaylee Ray, who was also killing it in Japan very different performers very different women but very similar at the same time with the way they were driven and focused and they just wanted to be this positive influence and role model that came from Scotland um, like it's mad to think that it, even during this lockdown and I, th- I, th- I find it very typically Scottish as well that at one point in WWE there were five Scottish champions in WWE there was Drew there was Kaylee there was Mark and Wolfie as Gallus and there was Nikki Cross with the tags that is literally one in a million in Scotland like Scotland's about 5.5 million that was genuinely one in a million happening and it happened and like the fact that when I started training that was that just wasn't a thing that wasn't feasible and now that it is is it's meant it was mental to watch and it was such a uplifting motivating sort of thing to watch and see um but yeah I always remember I tell this story about how I remember after went and did my what I needed to do to get to the next class and a uh, sitting with the coaches and lying hard and very self um, i known for years because I'm working with him and his exact words to me I'm going to be honest with you mate I thought you were going to be shit and I was like cheers and he was like but you're not he's like you're not the best he's like but you're by far like not the worst he's like you could do this and I was like thanks like okay I know I'm going to do this and they were like I remember them sort of saying like I really hope you're not just going to do this eight weeks because they knew That's what I initially went in to do. They knew what the initial goal was and the things, and they were like, Could you please just keep doing this? Like, I think you could do this. And I was like, so do I. And it's that weird notion of being like, Me too! I didn't understand eight weeks ago, but now I do. Like I think I could do this. Um and like that weird notion of how it's mad how like much has changed from those eight weeks, from like Going through the eight weeks, getting to a class, to eventually getting into my first sort of proper match. We did like a Gallaudet battle royal where um, I came. I came away with my first wrestling scar on my, my my shin, which was given to me. at not that point, but was my husband by mistake. He like gorilla pressed me out the ring, and my shin caught the edge of the ring and got infected. The infection wasn't his fault, but the gorilla press was. Uh, but, um, so that, but like my first matches like my first match was myself and somebody called Carmel Jacobs who's well established here in Scotland kind of thing and the Pipebron Princess um, against the Owens twins um, which is Leah and Casey Owens and then my first singles match was against Casey Owens and it's mad to think how we're now this roaming dominant tag team and we're like just best mates like it's mad to think how much she has done for me in my career with I think like I don't think she even fathoms that that she's done this it's that weird sort of thing where I keep having to go like yeah like you did this and she's like did that and I'm like yeah Like, like Jesus Christ there's a reason why I'm like fully supportive and like I've got her back through thick and thin the pair of us and it's that weird sort of notion where because I came in from the perspective of production so I sort of learned how to talk before I learned how to wrestle which a lot of people have to learn the other way around they can be tremendous in the ring but you give them a microphone and a weird <laughs> comes out their mouth and you're like okay let's let's do this where I knew how to do that I didn't have any problems with this um, sort of the microphone, I, I, my problems were like, okay, okay, I can get out of this ring without killing myself. Let's give it a go, like, like that's, that, that's sort of it. But with that, I mean, she was able to fully support me regarding the actual physicality of wrestling, and I was able to go right let's let's approach it this way let's find your way of talking let's find your way where it feels genuine and real and it comes fit here it's not just coming for like an idea you've seen on the telly Stop replicating like be you and that was sort of the thing we were able to give each other and we still do like the amount of times when I've got I've got an idea and she's like okay here's what what body part do you need and I go give me that and she's like okay um and then she'll go does this sound okay for a thing and I go yeah and like it's great having that and it's that weird notion and we've both said like through our lives we had female friends but we didn't really have like someone that no matter what time of night or day we could just phone and message one another and just be like right so I've been thinking too much about this and she's like yeah me too like there are times we wake up and we've been thinking about the same thing and then we meet up before a show and I'll go so see that then. she's like I was thinking about that too and I was like right cool smashing um but the fact that that's what we're like now like that we now have that and we have that like we have each other's back no matter what we tell each other everything and I can sort of if I have and it's also nice having someone that if I go this is my idea is this terrible that she'll go yes and I'll go cool thanks I just wanted to check and then vice versa I'm thinking about this no don't do that oh why because of this all oh, right yeah <laughs> like sometimes times that's us but um yeah it's mad to think how close I am with the people that truly influence me and I don't think they'll ever it's weird they're so nice and humble like as individuals none of them will truly understand how much I appreciate their friendship and the things that they've done for me and even just simply little bits of advice not even like they were going like you need to do this it's a case of like hey see if you do this that'll help you and I go oh that, thanks very much but like, in the same way of going like you're the person that I think about when I do this like yeah it's Scottish wrestling is like a massive family and I'm very privileged that I got to work with them. Before I had to end up wrestling, working, working with them, if that makes sense. Um, so you
0: get to know them better, from the, the ground up, kind of thing. Yeah. Before you was just a trainee, you knew these people, you was in there, um, and yeah, I suppose it helped them to talk to you more frankly as well during your it's, training. Well.
1: It's also that interesting way of I think I've been able to. It's, in a roundabout way it's the same way that I approach dating and I always approached dating when I was growing up where it was I would judge somebody who I was on a date with on how they would treat the waiter rather than how they would treat me in a restaurant because the way they treat the person serving you is how they are and how they treat you is how they want you to think they are so it's that way where I was just a production girl who was backstage trying to get them a film when sometimes they really didn't want to and when and so I figured out who they were first if that makes sense like I was able to see like who they were as individuals not just who they were outside in the curtain I managed to meet the real individuals so I think that's also another reason why I trust them so much because they'd have at times I've seen them in their worst and their best states you know what I mean Um, so yeah I also think that's another reason why I was so comfortable going to GPWE even though we were the first class we were the guinea pigs the fact that the guys in it I was like I trust them to look after me like they have they have like I have looked after them on tour and put them to their beds but they've also been the, the person that's slid in when some creepy guy at the end of the bar has tried to look on me and they've been like nope and I'm like oh thanks very much like they've been that guy too so it's that kind of there was a trust and that's why although it was nerve-wracking going in and it's always nerve-wracking your first day of training that's just that's just common sense like that's just being sensible being nervous about starting something new the fact that I knew the people that I was going in with were, were very safe hands, were trustworthy individuals that I could put my body in my hands and feel safe. If that makes that kind of sound a bit bizarre to say, but you know what I mean by that. With wrestling, that like you can—I didn't feel like I was in any danger. I felt like anything that I tried, there was always somebody there to catch me or help me, or nobody was going to just scream at me you know what I mean or shout at me unless maybe I needed to be shouted at because I needed to get a wake-up call going you're gonna hurt yourself if you don't stop this and you go yeah okay um because they are although they're very supportive and they look out for everybody like there are times if you are being silly and you're just gonna end up wrecking yourself they will step in and go what on earth are you doing And um, but it's always
0: it's always with the best <laughs> intentions. Yeah. That's it. So uh, I love the waiter analogy as well. It's like the, uh, you can always tell somebody's character by how nice they are to somebody that's of no use to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If they put somebody nice who's either, who may be seen as beneath them or can't serve them any purpose, if they're still nice to them, generally, mm-hmm. you can't the person kind of thing. As opposed to, like you say, just putting a, an impression on it. If you're trying to impress someone, You're not good Mm -hmm. person. Uh, Scottish wrestling. uh, You said I've been following like the indie scenes. Um, I'm in Leeds, but I used to go to PCW. Uh, Been up to um, followed ICW quite a lot as well because I did um, did a lot of artwork. And I mentioned to you beforehand, um, I did some like New Age Click artwork pieces and stuff like that. So yeah, I've always been a fan. Um, And yeah, Scottish wrestling just blew up. Several years ago, and it's still pretty much mm-hmm. on that high now. As you mentioned, the talent that's across the board, obviously Drew, Nikki Cross, and obviously the guys in NXT UK. You can be seen on the network um, yeah. with your my CW. Um So, I mean, what was that like? Actually, you know,
1: it's so mad because, like, like as you're saying about it being it blowing up, I was part of the crew that was part of the 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 blow up kind of thing, like obviously like they'd started getting there but I came in at the point where it was like so I'm saying like when I talk about like the the proper first night in the job I remember was the first ever square go and like I'd been at a couple other shows and helped out but the proper like you are working here this is I'm here to do a job kind of thing was that and like how, how buzzed they were that they'd sold out this venue that wasn't like huge like it was, it was it's a decent size it is but once you get the ring in it takes up so much space and stuff like that and that was kind of the start of the Ascension because it went from there and then it moved into the garage nightclub in Glasgow which is it's open every single day the fact that it's been shut with coronavirus all well blows our mind but it's open Christmas day to every day at this nightclub's open We sort of got this near roughly, it was about every one, every two months on a Sunday. It was always on a Sunday ICW. Um, but yeah, just part of this buzz and it just growing and growing and growing and going from like we never thought we'd sell at the garage, we sold at the garage, we never thought we'd sell at the ABC, which is another venue, we sold at the ABC. Oh, we can't sell at the Bannerlands, we sold out the Bannerlands. Oh okay okay let's try the ACCC which was this which is like a big room like we sold that out and we're like what the okay let's try the hydro okay 6,000 of you shut up showed up what the actual like it was just this thing where we just kept going okay let's try this let's see let's see if they come and people came and we were like what the? but it was so it was just this passion And there's drive and everybody had it everybody knew they were they had an important role on the show and they wanted to tell a story and they wanted to give people um they wanted people to leave talking about it and that was the main goal through through everything like everybody can talk about it and like even when you think about it like when Drew although like now it's maddening to think that that boy was let go you know what I mean when you look at him now and the fact that, like in the bat so the Barrowlands is this venue in Glasgow, and it is it is the one place in the whole wide world that I am so desperate to wrestle in. I don't, I'll, I will happily never be on WrestleMania if I can wrestle in the Barrowlands. This place is so historic in Gla- like in Scotland. Like everybody who is anybody has played the Barrowlands, like. Metallica, Slipknot, Elton John, David Bowie like if, if they are of any value from the maybe late 60s into now they have played the Barrowlands like everybody's done it and there was always this thing where I would read about it and like Kerrang, like the reviews at the Barrowlands and how like bands like Biffy Clyro for example turned down doing the Hydro they'd rather do three nights at the Barrowlands than do like they done they, they do the hydro now but they'd be there's times where they've went no we're instead of doing one night at the hydro we'll stay and do three, four nights at the Barrowlands instead because of how it's this old like dance hall and it's still got the original floorboards and like the original roof and it's just very just it's steeped in history. And like so backstage I was always told that there was these stars right there was these stars on the wall and everybody that played there took one home right? everybody took one away for them and they were always getting replaced and replaced so I walked in the first night ICW ever did the Barrowlands with tools in my bag because I didn't know how they were fitted to the wall I had like a screwdriver and I had like a chisel and everything just to get this off because I was like I'm leaving with a star I'm leaving with a star and people were like what are you talking about and I was like I don't really know myself I just know (laughs) in the dressing rooms there's stars and I want one and they were like all right and obviously I stole one so then everybody stole one so the world was blank by the time we came back I was like oh dear Um, but yeah it's this like it's such a it's such a crucial that's where I wear it more than anywhere in the world but behind that right now there is a I mean a proper billboard size painting of Bobby Lashley and Drew for Wrestlemania there's like Becky with the two belts but the fact that there's this like 20 foot painting of Drew behind the Barras and you're like what the actual like this is insane and because of how important the Lands is it's one of those like key places that you go and like it's so mad And, and the fact that like like so when Drew talks about when he was let go everybody who was anybody was messaging him saying like hey man like oh we'd love to get you on a show yeah etc etc but Drew just knew I need to I need to do this but I need to figure out how and the only person that didn't message him was Dallas and when you talk to Dallas Dallas is like I'm not gonna pester him now like let him find his feet like the last thing you wants is some promoter being like, hey, buddy, I'll get you on this, and we'll get you there." this. He's like, that's the last thing you want. But Drew went, why on earth has Dallas still messaged me? Like, what the? Like, so it was this weird, like, he's respecting his boundaries, but he's like, man, you're the only person I want to hear from. Um, and then that's eventually, fun. yeah, eventually they, they, they ended up chatting. And obviously the first place Drew showed up was at the ABC, which was, in, it was on Suckey Hall Street in Glasgow. And honestly, God, it's the first time I've seen full-grown men like grabbing, crying with people in their arms—just unbelievable eruption. With Drew, and um, the the funny thing was—I <laughs> don't think I've ever told this story. Um, so the funny thing was, is the day it showed up on the A- ABC Dallas. At that point, I was still like production kind of thing, but vid- I've vid- edited some videos, etc. Dallas came up to me and went, "Me, me, me. Do you have your laptop?" And I went, "Yeah." He went I need you to make he's like I don't know if it's going to be used yet but I need you make a Tron because Drew's here and I was like what and they were like Drew's downstairs so like the ABC there's like there's two so there's ABC the main hall in the ABC so sadly like the ABC burnt down like a year or two ago and it's it's one of the most heartbreaking things to like happen in Glasgow because it's it's just great but what the ABC was there was this giant hall the room upstairs which had the biggest big old the biggest disco ball in Europe right that uh, that was its claim of fame it was massive this thing was huge right so the biggest disco ball in Europe Mm -hmm. in this hall and it was like I'd seen so many bands play in this this place either but that's where like the made but underneath there was the ABC too where like smaller bands would play but it was still a decent sized room and um But there was obviously dressing rooms. So they'd hidden Drew downstairs in the other nightclub, in the other venue. And they kept everybody else upstairs. And the main reason why it was kept stoom and quiet was because they knew Gradle wouldn't be able to keep calm. (laughs) And they were like, you can't tell anybody. And they were like, "And the one person who can't know, anybody else finds out, like, fine, but tell them to shut up but you can't tell Grado and I was like alright and they were like no seriously I don't think he can handle it and I was like okay sure because like at the end of the day Grado's a huge fan and was just, we just been overexcited and tell somebody what you shouldn't have and they like, so we were like right nobody tell Grado so I remember like in this there was like an office space for like like if you were doing like invoices etc for our stuff and I was like tucked in the corner with it on my lap so I could see everybody and nobody can get by me just trying to edit this with headphones in so nobody could hear the music trying to edit this thing so that if we needed it it could play and it was an absolute nightmare trying to quietly and me just being like la la la, la. and people wondered like normally I'm so busy at shows if there's a certain match or a certain thing I will advance come in and go I'm not working on this match I'm going to watch it nobody argue with me and they're like okay okay And that was always my thing I'd work my butt off I'd work from the moment I walked in to the moment I was leaving but if there was a certain match or a certain performer on that I wanted to see I would go and say I'm going to take a 15 minute break between this match for this match and then I'll come back and I'll start I'll instantly go into work and I will not stop until I can't walk anymore but I want to see this match and I remember, like, me going, "Oh, it's this," and not telling people what it was, and just going, "I'll be back. I've got to go to the bathroom. I'll be back in like ten minutes." i are like, "Okay," and they were like, "Whoa, that's a problem." I was like, "It's fine. I'm gonna go." And I snuck up on the there was like a a, a a balcony in the ABC that was higher up, and I remember just sneaking up onto the stairs and like standing on the stairs just to see this come back because in the place just. It's one of the first plate times. Like I remember, like feeling like a room, like move like this. That wasn't like a gig. The place just erupted. Just men grabbing one another and just losing their minds. And like I've been at nearly all the surprises. To so, like subleigh walking out in Cardiff, which was <laughs> that was funny. Just watching men not being able to compute what was happening. Like that was truly like what because Dallas said it triple H and everybody was like aye aye because for years there was like a we had Chris Toll who's a manager in ICW and he kept for like about six months kept coming out dressed as different wrestlers like he came out dressed as CM Punk just after CM Punk got released and the place went bushed and we played the music and Cole came out dressed up and Mark Coffey just kicked him in the face every time he was dressed as somebody different he'd get kicked in the face and it was hilarious, and it was great for ages. But um, yeah, people, I think people just assumed that it was going to be something like, oh, here comes so and so dressed as Triple H," and then when Triple H walked out, you just seen them go. I don't know what to do. It! I don't know what to do. It! What the <laughs> I just remember a bar staff member, a bar staff from that venue, coming in and being like, "What just happened?" And I go, "What do you mean?" Because I was like, "What?" And they were like, "I just seen three grown men just run out." To their beer garden, scream and cry and hug each other, <laughs> and then run back in. And I don't know what just happened. I was like, "Oh, Triple H just just showing up in the way." What? And I went, "Triple H," and they're like, "As in the guy for the wrestling." I went, "Yeah," like he's kind of a big deal. Uh, he's there, and then we're like. Oh, that's pretty cool. They were like, they kind of just knew, like, I'm aware of who he is, but what? And I was like, yeah, that's why. It's okay. You don't need to understand. Um, but yeah, like the boom and Drew coming back was such a monumental point as well, because we'd already been building this, we'd already were conquering feats that we never thought were possible. But Drew coming back was like the cement to say we were doing the right thing for him to put in his, fuel, his, his full attention into it and everything to it just gave us like right we are doing the right thing and like the fact is like so I've got a major bugbear right there's a, there's a thing that really annoys me and I have to just like shut my mouth a lot of the time because I'm like don't get yourself blackballed because of this argument but there's one thing that super super annoys me about certain promotions and it's when they call their title a world title, and it's not left a five-mile radius. It's or not even been on a show yet, and it's deemed a world title because I don't know how it works in America. I'm saying that because I don't know what the American rule. But what I was always taught was that a world title was something that would only be named a world title after it was defended in at least five countries in three continents. That was the rules. So when Drew came in, Drew took the title and he went to and I went, he, the, the three continents he marked because the five countries in Europe was quite easy to achieve. It was the three continents that were more difficult. Um, so the men's title, which Drew took, he took to Australia, he took to America and obviously he then bounced from country to country to country to country. To country and that was just, I've lost count on how many countries there has, but there's definitely been an exceeding of five. Now, and the Women's Championship was done by Kayleigh and Viper, because when I'm Kayleigh, Kayleigh took it to Japan, she brought it back, eventually Viper ended up with the title, she took it to America and brought it back. So in ICW, there's a reason why the Heavyweight Championship and the Women's Championship are both deemed as world titles, yet we don't call the 0G or the tag titles world titles, because they've not done that yet. Like, that's the next hurdle so to us the fact that we put in the graph to talk to different promotions to actually exchange talent to do that so that our, t- our titles were genuine real world titles because they have been defended around the world to me is very important so when some new promotion sparks up and they're like this is our world title and I'm like it's not even less House how can it be a world title Like it's not a world it's a heavyweight title. It's a women's title, it's a tag title. It can be a title, that's fine. But it's not a world title. Stop if it's gonna be a world title, it needs to be defended around the world. It needs to have that work and gravitas and blood, sweat, and tears and like in it. It's not just about the performance, it's about the title is, is important and the fact that it's valued and respected enough to actually be able, be accepted to be defended in a different country is a big thing and it, I think because I've seen how much hard work went into making those titles world titles that I really like I really ha- hold those titles in high regard and I hold anybody that actually puts the graft in to do it and I get a bit like it's oh, not a no, title and, was, uh, 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 uh. and there's some promotions that I work for that I've said to them it's not a world title and they go why and I go because it's not being defended around the world I mean get it go around the world and then yeah and there were places that when I spoke to them they were like you're right okay let's start working on that and they, they've started do, doing the right things to put in place to actually try and make their titles world titles because <laughs> it takes work but uh, it's just when there was there's obviously been a lot of since coronavirus there's been a lot of just new promotions springing up here there and everywhere which is grand and it's going to be great for us getting new work and new opportunities and new people to work in different areas and such like that but when they're going like yeah we're going to release our new title and i go okay and they're like this is our women's world title and i was like it's actually no left your living room how the is it a world title Like, no it's a women's title cool but don't just sling in the one world there until the graph's been put in it like it's it makes me go a lot um yeah there's things that that annoys me and it annoys me when women's titles are silver because I feel like it's a dig that we're second place but that's a whole other podcast that gets me wound up too I'm just like mm,
0: but. Yeah, yeah. Thought that. Um, obviously you mentioned about the network and stuff though, but you mentioned it in the uh, with your training. You've, you've got a lot of you've got a good circle of people sort of around you. Uh, mm-hmm. when I was at your matches, um obviously you've mentioned Casey Owens already, who's basically like the, the other side of the coin, like you you the same, um but you, you just complement each other so well. Uh yeah. but then you've like, got um Roxy, uh, Lana Austin, uh mm-hmm. names up a lot. And it, those two seem to pop up quite a lot on your on your resume of, uh, of matches. So again, as well as Casey Owens, um, is there a sort of just a group of people that you like to work with that you feel comfortable with? Um, is it you just?
1: I think like one that? of the I think one of the great things about the British scene is that there are so many well established schools that do produce great talent that there are individuals who I absolutely adore working with. And in all honesty, I don't think I'm I'm yet to have anybody British that I've genuinely thought, oh God, never again. Or anybody that or there is the beauty where anybody that I have worked who's been British who I've thought after our first encounter, oh Jesus Christ, the second time the fact that they've like I always go I can't really judge somebody from their first performance but I will judge them from their second because I always see it as like if that wasn't great if they can accept their downfall and their failures and that's the same with me anytime I've had a match where I thought oh my god I just stunk that place out I always want to evaluate it and find it like right, right. Where did I go wrong? How can I better that? How can I be be better? Because I think, especially in women's wrestling as well, complacency is the is the problem. Like you don't want to get comfortable. You always want to be getting better and trying to think about things in the future, kind of thing. And so far, like as you're saying, like your Lana Lana's just not a worry. She's been around for so long. She's such an established individual. She has been there and in the ring with the best and the brightest and also the newest people coming through she's never been somebody that's that's always just been like I only want to start like she'll get in the ring with anybody and I think that's one of her one of the reasons why she's so good is because she doesn't turn anybody down be it their first match or their retirement match she'll get in there and she will perform to the utmost and then you've got individuals like Roxy who's just a mainstay in sort of the Newcastle sort of northern area and like just she's look at her she's just an athlete like she's she's the epitome of an athlete who has come into professional wrestling and she's a big character as well but the beauty of British wrestling is I think you can ask people like what school did they come from? And they'll give you an actual school. Like and you can find out right who's the trainer at that school. Right. So she's getting taught by X, Y, and Z. Right. Okay, that should they should, you know what I mean? And you reflect on people's coaches and what school they came from, even if you if you haven't met them yet, because it's that way also like like there's folk one of my one of my, my favourite ones is hearing is about Rampage Brown where I I actually I remember when I did ROH like 2019 obviously now like 2020 was a write-off I don't like we're just going to pretend it never happened so like ROH was only a year ago (laughs) but all like Rampage was on the show and I remember thinking like oh it's a familiar face it's a friendly face great great to see him and he's always been he's always been someone who has always been very supportive to everybody, always wants to help anybody he can. And he's just got such a great patience for people. For a man who's as big and aggressive looking as he is, he's such a patient individual. And he was, for a while, I ended up sort of, there was like a running joke where if you got in the ring with somebody and they weren't great, and then you went and wrestled them a second time, and you'd be like, oh God. And then you'd hear, it's okay. They've been training with Rampage was the follow-up meaning they're being trained at a higher standard now they're not going to be allowed to wrestle if they've not got better and then you get in the ring with them and it's like night and day like it's like you're wrestling somebody you've never wrestled before because they were nothing like previous so I remember saying to him going yeah like you know you're a thing now Rampage he was like what and I was like this is now a thing where if you wrestle somebody and they weren't great and then you go and wrestle them again and then somebody falls up it's okay they've been training with Rampage that's like a oh that's okay then I was like he was like so what am I like a re-? like so this is like was like what am I a wrestling Yoda I went no 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 that's Johnny Saint Johnny Saint is mm-hmm. wrestling Yoda He's very wise, sometimes gets his words mixed up and is incredibly old. But like everybody flocks around them and you listen to Saint. I went, you're more like wrestling Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) And I'm going like, I'll take that, I'll take that. Um, But yeah, but I think that's like a main thing in the UK is that you're you're not really going to get on shows unless you've been trained to a certain standard, unless you've been going to school for a certain period of time to make sure that you're safe it's when you hear nightmare stories in america where it's like they've gotten to the ring and their singles match becomes a three-way and the other person is like the daughter of the guy that owns the hall that let them use the building so they got in a match and that's that's an actual story i'm not even just paraphrasing that's (laughs) a story that happened to a friend of mine where they were like who is this and they were like oh he's the just the daughter of the guy that owns the hall what? Like, but that's just something that can happen. And I, I've heard like I heard nightmare story. It doesn't happen all the time, obviously. And these people don't end up making it to the big leagues, but I've heard of people just being like, How do I get rid of somebody who's unsafe? How do I just get them to go away so I can continue trying to put on somewhat of a good performance? Because you are your brand, so you want to have good matches, you want to be in the ring with someone who's at least workable, if you know what I mean. But in the UK, I feel like we've got such an amazing talent of female talent that that's never a great worry. Like, if you if even look at the like, the you've got your Lana Austins, your Ho- Holly Barlows, your Alexis Falcons, your Tongas, your as I'm saying, like Roxy Lana, G Adams, um. Who else is in that? Lizzie Evo, obviously, in Liverpool, you've got your Rios, you've got your, like, I can just go on and on and on and on and on on about just one area of the talent that I'm just like, that's cool. Like, I have no issue with the, you know what I mean? There's no worry. And and Scotland, we've got such a great talent as well that um, there's this growing sort of interest And yeah, in the UK and Ireland, obviously in Ireland as well, there's some incredible talents too that I'm buzzing to work with because you watch them from it's weird like being so close but so far away and being like I'm watching you come over um, but yeah like the UK there's not that worry but I, it would worry me going to, if I think if I was going to America anytime I go to America there's that question any time I've went to another country to wrestle remember I went and wrestled in Tel Aviv in Israel And the lassie was like the only girl they had. Their school building had been knocked down, so they were in the middle of trying to find a new place. And like, I remember her coming to me, going, "I wanted, (laughs) wanted to try this, and it was a mad indie thing with somebody like a like uh, like." Treehouse or a fucking or a Sammy Guevara or somebody like that level doing it and they're going this and I'm like, do you know what this is? And they're like, no. And I was like, then you're not doing that. Like, <laughs> like she was lovely and all. It, um, Gia Glass was her name. Like she was Gaia. No, Gaia Glass. Sorry, was her name. And she was great. And she didn't really take things well and things like that. But. It was very like it was such an interesting experience, and I've been in the ring with people that don't speak english. I've been in the and had to like walk through thing by movement, not a word of English spoken, and they are very inter- like then that's not a bad thing. that's like a new learning experience to think, but it's when you go to other countries and you start going like, so where does she trade or what's they've done or where have they been and things like that so you can get a feel of like, okay, so. They're this, but they've been the Stardom dojo. Okay, at least I know they've been the Stardom dojo. They're at that level. Where, where have they? You end up sort of doing that, but in the UK, it doesn't. It's not really a worry because you know you're not really getting on a show unless you've been either trained or recommended by an individual who's then said, "Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're at a it. level." But um, i
0: just, uh, I'd Sean only on or Pete Higginston uh, He who was trained by Rampage. Yeah. And uh, it just made me laugh when you said about Rampage there, you know, like the training and stuff. And uh, it was I think it was it was kind of said in hushed tones on that episode, but Rampage is a is a sweetheart, he's he's a little you know, he's a lovely kind of guy, which is the, you just don't see it from obviously you see him in the ring, you see him on TV, and the dude is that's crazy.
1: what I'm saying. Like there's a difference between you you learn about people that are not going through the curtain because who is portrayed through the curtain is, is is an element of that individual but it's them it's them turning up to 11 be it the bad side of 11 or the good side of 11 but it's them turning up to 11 where it's that kind of thing where yeah like GBWE school i go to that's the original five or wolfgang bt gun jack jester lionheart and red lightning and now they have people like Liam Thompson, Jackie Polo, Stevie Boy, Kaylee Ray sort of coming in to do coaching. You've also got like uh, FPWE, which is Fife Pro Wrestling Asylum, which is the other side of the country, which is ran by Andy Wilde. And there's other people going into that and they, they switch things. So the actual knowledge that's within the school is incredible. And it's also built so that if, for example, if I was to go to BT Gunn, i'm thinking about this or i'm thinking about doing that and he would go he could rightfully just say that's not really my expertise let me talk to so and so i think they're better for this so there's such a wide range of talent that everything's kind of sort of you know i mean like jack jester is the perfect example of like character development of how to just like be this big persona and how to and like what works and what doesn't and, and, and things like that but then you've got like Wolfgang who's your perfect big man so if any big man comes in he can teach him like this is how you work like you're not going to work like the guy who's four foot like five foot two and weighs maybe the size of your thigh kind of thing it's it's that kind of way like, like you'd also have like Piper Niven like Viper would drop in as well so there was that perfect balance of like Viper and Kaylee are very again very different, have very similar goals. Um, but yeah, they've always been that way as well. Where if I it's such a wealth of knowledge and talent that you can see things from different perspectives. So, if someone wasn't really working for you or wasn't really clicking with you, if someone does something slightly different, you might go, Oh, right, that's better. Like, if, if you're hitting back, if you're hitting and if you're hitting drop kicks every time you land on your back you clatter your head but so and so hits a drop kick but lands on his stomach that might work better for you so you have this like I do it this way oh okay it also means that we're also not a conveyor belt of the same thing coming out like you can definitely see who's influenced by individuals from the school but I think that's only because I can see it because I know the individuals and I know who's coached with them kind of thing but it's that way where everybody coming for the school isn't exactly the same we're not just producing a, the new batch of Wolfgangs and the new batch of BT Guns and the new batch of Stevie Boys or the new batch of, it's a new whole batch of talent that is a perfect combination of everybody so yeah that's how you're getting some really you're getting a lot of rich characters coming out of the school off the bat rather than them and although they're still developing if they're coming out rich they're just going to get richer you know what I mean Like
0: the foundation
1: yeah. foundations yeah. if they're coming children. out with good foundations That the house is only going to get even be better um, but yeah it's. I'm very proud to come for that school and I'm, I'm very proud that if someone asks me Hey, do you have someone that could fit this bill? I can go. Yes, I do. I can bring so and so, and they do the same. Like, you got any girls? Yeah, I do. I've got. Like, it's that way. we yeah. I'm not. I've not. I've not got any fear because when you come, when you recommend somebody, it's on you as well because it reflects on how you see wrestling. And I don't have that fear of recommending anybody from the schools. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: don't want to send somebody. If then makes a mess, it gives you a bad reputation. Obviously, like you said, it comes back onto you, then done it it's you re- you recommended them. Um yeah, they are not going to come to you again in the future. But if you've got this talent that's coming through that you've got nothing but faith in, you can mm-hmm. recommend it all day long. And mm-hmm. it's it's gold. That's awesome. Um last well, I'll just quickly cover this because I've kind of it's, it's a bit of an ongoing thing throughout the shows. Um moments in wrestling. Um, obviously there seems to be a lot of, especially on the UK scene, you get a lot of um, exhibition matches on shows uh, mm-hmm. and some people struggle to build characters. Um, they don't get those moments, um, but it does, people are starting to realize now, I think that the, the moments are what pull people to the shows. Mm-hmm. Exhibition matches are good here and there, but every show or everything, every you need to have characters to build those moments up. Um, yeah. I think I think that's definitely improving on the UK scene now. It's not as it was years and years ago. I think probably mm-hmm. like ICW and stuff like that, that have had a continuing storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, moments in wrestling, obviously key. Uh, uh, what would you sort of say are, are good examples?
1: I think a great example of a moment in wrestling that's been recent. I'll, I'll talk about something that was recent, that I think reflects on a lot of things that have been going on. Um was, and although this might seem like I'm being biased because one of them was my husband, didn't it? Um, but the return match of Stevie Boy against Wolfgang at Shug's House Party six, um was A, it was such a moment that Stevie Boy was coming back from being off for just over a year with a major surgery um he'd been rehabbing and training like I've never seen before like the closest thing I can say that I've ever seen footage of was like when you'd see like Triple H doing his montages of coming back like you never just see, you'd never seen that but it was that feel like when you'd see him rehabbing and trying to do new things and just get into a stage where when he came back he was better so I was I was there when he was rehabbing I'd trained at the same time as sort of him rehabbing and how much of a big thing that was but the fact that that was to crown the new ICW heavyweight champion because of the passing of Lionheart Um, and the fact that that was although we'd had a show to sort of commemorate Adrian and to and we like one of the things that we did as well was adrian ran a company called uh, pro wrestling elite sorry pro wrestling elite and air and he had a show booked he had a full card book he had a show booked in air had their venue everything was paid for like everything that way um so we decided we were going to run a show for him we ran his show we the crowd came all the money went towards sort of and went to sort of like his parents and stuff like that and were was Given to a charity mental health charity and stuff but the fact that like we were crowning a champion because the championship had lost its owner it wasn't because we wanted a new chat. it was just we'd lost the champion that we needed someone else to sort of take reign um, and the passion and he gave absolutely everything in that match like for and, and, and the weird sort of thing is and I don't think a lot of people realize that this was one of the first times so Adrian famously retired before right and there was this thing and this is before really he was mad but he'd retired before there's there's a photo on my staircase of ironically my husband retiring Lionheart but then he came back because he realized he he couldn't he missed it too much for years he'd said when he became 30 if he hadn't got a WWE I hadn't been signed he was retiring he turned 30 retired and realized I, I don't I don't want to stop and came back so we all wrapped them. and for ages Wolfie would say I'm not wrestling him I'm not re- I've retired him I'm not wrestling him so this was the first time so eventually he sort of n- kneeled and said right okay I will wrestle him but it has to be for something it's not just going to be a throwaway match it needs to be for something and they announced that it was going to be for the title and then Adrian passed away and they never got to have that match and it's that weird sort of thing like he's still weirdly, although it's that kind of dark humour of like, oh, well I retired him, like still but the fact that they were going to have this match it was the first match they'd had since the retirement sort of tour of Winehouse and then him not being there and him still being sort of on the card and then Stevie going I'm I'm able to return and us going right well that's what we're going to do it's going to be not only just a return it's going to be for this and it's going to be special and it's going to be we're going to need to show and the match was incredible man if you can watch it back it's one of the best matches I've ever seen live and that's to a point where I kind of forgot that the performers were my soon-to-be husband and one of my best mates they were it wasn't Stephen Kerr and Barry Young anymore it was Stevie Boy and Wolfgang it was that's what I was watching and the place was going mental everything they hit everything they did just had an extra bit of oomph behind it, and the place was on tender hooks. And like, I remember going to a show in Liverpool, on the Thursday. So this was on the Sunday. The Thursday, I went to TNT in Liverpool, and folk were coming up to me, going, "How did they do that?" And I go, "What?" And they go, "How, how did how did they do that?" And I go, "What bit?" And they'd say, and I go, "Oh, eh, I don't know." Like, and but it was the fact that that had got because of the buzz that had come from that. that gone everywhere, like the poisoned rana gift still gets shared. The the spear, the poisoned rana gift, and the spear are the two ones that just constantly get shared, because it literally it, they were just ooh, 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 like that. But that was like a true moment because of everything that it meant. It wasn't just somebody's return. It was the genuine sort of la- not lasting acknowledgement of course there will always be a lasting acknowledgement but it was the, the last thing they needed to do for Adrian was to crown a new champ we'd ran his shows we'd looked after his mom and dad we'd done the funeral we'd done everything we, we, we did our first show back without him and did a celebrate we'd done everything the last thing we needed to do was crown that champion so that match meant everything and it was weird that match meaning everything and it meant everything to that room even though they didn't know the other half of the match until he walked out (laughs) like and when he walked out how much of a buzz there was yeah like that like that was one of the last true times where I've just been like this is great and it was just everybody in there felt everything and it was uh, it was very it was one of my favorite moments as a fan because at the end of the day we're all fans no matter it it really annoys me when I hear folk going oh wrestling marks shut up Like wrestlers that say that just need to check themselves because if anything we are the biggest marks we're the ones that went and learned how to do this so we're the ones that put our lives like our bodies on the line to do the thing that we loved so am, am, I, the, am I the fanny for doing that or am I the fanny that gets excited about like t- like I still get excited about stuff there's certain people that I'll, I'll ask like can I go to the wrestling with them why because I know I can be all like let's go like in the show if I'm with them kind of thing and yeah there's there's a lot of moments. There's been a lot, and, and ICW is beautiful for moments, be it crowning the new champion or be it Drew's return, Triple H being a, like surprisingly showing up. You, your lacks are thin baller always showing up <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> it just goes, Can I come back, please? I'm going, ah, i come. Um, but also making a start, like looking back on the LEDs at Kaylee Ray and your ripers and your. And even if you look at NXT UK, like that Scottish contingency that they are, have all you sort of come through ICW and found their, their roots and found who they are as a performer through ICW. Um, even Shah. Like, Shah is the most interesting person to watch in NXT UK at the moment. because in Glasgow, so everything he's doing, he did in Glasgow and is beloved for it. But down there he's hated. And we're like, he's not doing anything different. He's calling (laughs) people tops. And we're like, yay. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. And there's obviously certain areas that grew talent as well. And it's just this, it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time of resurgence. And I'm glad to be part of it. That's
0: awesome. (sighs) And as a fan very very glad to have you uh, as part of it as well because like yeah just the whole scene is just uh, as i just can't wait for you know shows to come back to go travel around the country to watch different shows mm-hmm. uh, see you all do what you do um i'm gonna call it there though because no but uh, then uh, i originally said um but it's just been an absolute blast talking to you it's just been such an easy conversation so thank you so much um anything you want to blog your socials or anything
1: like that before you go i'm i'm very easy to find on social media uh in all honesty i usually just tell people to google molly spartan because then you find everything i'm molly spartan on twitter molly spartan on instagram on tiktok i think i'm real molly spartan on facebook i think that's the only one that's slightly different but it's still you'll find it no problem um yeah that's really it i mean really if my main place that i'm currently working obviously we're in a, a very unusual time is um, obviously ICW which is our fight club which is on the WWE network and Peacock in America um, which is mental to think about I mean in America Peacock's in 34 million homes and that's just shy of seven times the population of the country that I live in so it's a wee bit mad uh, but okay. Yeah, it's it's mental. Like, it's like okay. Um but yeah, like really it's on there. Um that's probably where you're gonna see me most currently uh until we can, but I think shows are on the horizon. I've had my first vaccination, so I've got a few more weeks till I get around round two. I'm very excited. Um yeah I, I, you know what if Bill Gates is putting a chip in me so I don't get lost I don't mind as long as I can go out in the world again that's that's what um, me and Alexis Falcon both got vaccinated on the first of April we both got vaccinated on the same day so I was like vaccine buddies um, different places obviously um, but she just messaged I me mean, really going have you done your Windows reboot And has the music started? She's like, "You got the XP tune," and I was like, "Oh, but I'm older than you. Mine's is more than 1992 Windows. Ta-da! When you come on, rather than the dead, like tune you get. Mine's isn't as fancy. Um, Yeah, but no, get vaccinated, people. That's that's my final words. Please get vaccinated so we can go into the world. There's a reason why smallpox don't exist anymore because we all got vaccinated. So let's, you know, let's just, just go get it and get back to normal. And I don't need to worry if you're all of a sudden going to make me super sick because you've not washed your hands. So wash your hands, wear a mask, get vaccinated.
0: Wise nice words. Listen to the woman. She knows what she's on about. Um, yeah, that, that's it. Molly, thank you so, so much. It's genuinely been an awesome, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: No problem. Thank you very much for having me.